Welcome to the 9th Amazing Race Canada recap episode of the UR Team Number Podcast. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian who wanted to take my family sightseeing last September, Logan Saunders. Evening. It actually works. You can tweet us as always using the hashtag Yattencast or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. Interesting. And also feel free to like, share, favorite or retweet this video or this podcast. Or every single one of Logan's tweets like I do. Yeah, that works too. Such as the one, for example, where he said, oh, I'm not going to support Nick and Matt this week. And then they finish in first. My prediction overall for this week was a little bit wrong. Uh, A little bit. You would have scored zero without the non-elimination points. (laughs) Oh, well. So previously, six teams flew to Calcutta in India, where Brent and Sean struggled to balance in the heat. Dijon and Leilani got in sync to win their second leg of the season. And Brian and Cynthia fought to stay in the race, but it wasn't enough, and they were the next team eliminated. Shocked. They were shocked. And teams must now fly to Delhi and find the Gazipur fish market to find the next clue. And how much money do they have, Logan? 50 US dollars? 150 in American! For this leg of the race. Seems though I know you love Jen. And the start of the race made me think, oh no, Gino and Jesse are going to win. I've got a horrible feeling they're going to win now. Uh, I don't think they'll win. They got that awful scene where they said, oh, um, we just need to make our mother proud of us. It's like, pass me the bath bag. Uh, it's just for them to win fan favorite. All editing hints point towards no, they will not win. But uh, sadly, I don't think it'll mean that they'll be the ones you turn next week because there's a huge twist that this week took to make me change my mind. Yeah, I've I've got an awful feeling that one of us is going to be very disappointed next week. I think one of our um, our predictions to win will be going home in fifth place, thanks to the U-turn. So, once teams get to the fish market, they find out that it's an active route info, which is to carry 20 catfish each across the market in baskets on their head. I'm guessing they didn't even fly your Canada for this round. No, we didn't. saw none none of their plugs, so I'm guessing they chose an airline that wasn't Air Canada to get to Delhi. I'm assuming it was probably someone in the Star Alliance, which is the one that Air Canada is a part of, I believe. Oh, okay, so it was something. It was an airline in the family, but yeah, not Air Canada itself. So technically, they the producers did not fly with the competition. Exactly, because that was going to be my prediction with international legs. I thought that we'd probably see ones that were in the same group as Air Canada, at least. And, despite being from Nova Scotia, Sean hates fish. And also, before that, who knew that Brent and Sean, the team that's gotten the most favourable letter by producers, would get the whole, oh no, uh, India has been a real eye-opener for us scene, and uh, the other teams uh, get anything like that. The emotional Canadian edit. Is the yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Emotional Canucks. Yeah, I, I'm very surprised they didn't give it to Gino and Jesse. Well, they kind of did with the whole, you know, family thing. So between the two teams, the two sets of brothers got the were awarded the most favorable edits uh, for the week, respectively. And also Dana and Amanda got the emotional India edit. Because they are still there, they're just not being shown. That's true, they weren't eliminated. It's just that they're so invisible. They're, they're like the golden snitch of the Amazing Race Canada. You have to... If you look hard enough, uh, you'll be able to see him. And for the first time all season, Simi and Opie actually arrive at a task first. 
with Nick and Matt in second, Dijon Leilani in third, Gino and Jesse in fourth, and Brennan and Sean last. And it will be very, that first place lead will, just like last week, be very short-lived. Because, of course, Opie told uh, Simi to go gently, gently, Simi. Gently, yes, go sunshine. gently with the fish. My God. There's not really a lot to talk about with this task, purely because it was much funnier on screen than what we can really say. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, well, with Nick, we can't really imitate uh, Nick's uh, fish sound, which it's funny because Nick's uh, imitation of the catfish reminded me a lot of that one cat from the Disney movie, The Aristo Cats, when it's trying to act tough. And, uh, of course, the bar of soap with the uh, Dujon trying to handle the fish might be one of the funniest things I think I've seen all season long along with the accompanying uh, cheesy sound effects that the editors decide to throw in. And also Sean just sort of screaming the place down. <laughs> right in the middle of the deli market, in a city of 18 million people, if you're able to attract attention, that is a true accomplishment. Brian and Cynthia would have attracted ten- attention in this task. They would have just been suspicious of the catfish. They, they would be thinking one of the other 19 catfish may go after its fanny pack. Can you imagine uh, them just trying to pick up 20 catfish and sort of looking over their shoulder, making sure no one's trying to steal anything off them? Punch it, Chewy. So, once teams complete the active route info, they have to find Fairly Bartha Village to find their next clue. Did you hear about the scandal with the catfish task? I did not, no. Uh, not sure if you saw it, but somebody on the official Maze Race Canada page posted a like a Vine video of a six or seven second clip uh, showing that sh- uh, that uh, Brent may not have done the task properly because everybody was supposed to have the basket resting on the little pad that they were wearing on their head. And Brent was shown with carrying the basket in front of him pretty much where it wasn't, I mean, it was still elevated slightly above his head, but he was still, but it was really far in front of his body and he didn't have it on the head pad at all. Maybe they did get an, an unaired penalty purely because they were already in last place. Possibly, and also, uh, well, there was a lot of unaired material come to think of it with this episode, because there was something else very significant that happened. But, yeah, it makes you wonder if there was something in the rules where it said, oh, as long as it's you're carrying it above the height of your head, then it's fine. It doesn't matter like if it's if you're carrying the basket in front of you, above your head, or behind you, and uh, above your head, it just has to, as long as it's above, it's good. So who knows? But yeah, it was. I I sort of was thinking that I think I may have written it down when the episode was airing, but the but to see the six or second or six or seven second video clip uh, real showed that there is a case to be made that Brent may have not done the task properly. Unless the rules had stated it, but it just went unaired. Yeah, they would have pointed it out if it was against the rules. Yeah, they wouldn't just be ignoring the rules. The The race never really does that. Because it has integrity. But, of course, one of the best moments of the entire episode happens on the way to the Failey Belter Village, which is round three of Sean peeking his guts out. Round three? I swear, I swear there's been more rounds. What is the tally? Because we have the season premiere with them vomiting in the toilet. Didn't he vomit during the being buried in the sand? Oh, yes, he did, actually, didn't he? So that's it's actually round four, then. Yes, and then, yeah, then round three, of course, was the pit stop entrance in Saskatoon. Probably the best pit stop entrance of at least Amazing Race Canada history, if not <laughs> Amazing Race history, is up there. 
<laughs> and then, yes, it's round four, and it's not like he was on the verge of throwing up. He just outright throws up all over the tuk-tuk, all dripping down the side, which is probably the most disgusting thing to happen to a tuk-tuk, I think, in any season of The Amazing Race. How much do the editors love Sean's puking? Because they played that sound effect so much in that scene. Well, it's just that it's so down, like, with, with Natalie Spooner from last season, she's she vomited 17 times, but it was all in the same uh, skydiving tasks. She didn't vomit any time after that. But with Sean, he's, he's pacing himself, too. Just And it's getting to the point, especially in the tuk-tuk there, with the added comedy of the running joke of, telling the tuk-tuk driver to keep going because, quote-unquote, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. There's nothing to worry about. He's he's puking his guts out. It's okay. It's a it's a habitual thing. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Seriously, they cannot top this now. Like, what? what, can, what what's the next time he's going to throw up? Is it, does it have to be, like, upside down or something on a on a swing? Like, how, how does he top... Vomiting while being buried in the sand, vomiting at the pit stop mat, and then vomiting on a tu- on a on an actual tuk tuk. Yeah, it, I've no idea how he's going to top it because I didn't think they could top it last time. It's like somebody who, you know, is in the midst of being in a drunken stupor, but it, it's just occurring permanently with uh, constantly vomiting. They can't recover from it. They're always in that, uh, not so much the drunken stupor, but always in the hangover mode. We forgot to mention that this leg really had start times that were very, very close to each other as well. They were all within half an hour of each other. Which shows you that they... Which shows us saying uh, last week how they made the task a bit easier in India compared to uh, all the other tasks we've seen thus far. Yeah. So we thought that statue uh, matching task was very, very quick. For most teams. For most teams. Well, if you're Brian... You, you think it's a trick question. All of these are the same. There's a lot of weird... Imagine if, imagine if Brian was in Big Brother either in this season or in Big Brother 5. He would just be looking at uh, Liz or Liz and everyone else saying, oh no, Liz has a twin. And then you'd be saying, oh no, no, no. The real twist is that there is no twin. And then he would probably be saying the same thing about A, Adrian, and Natalie. So it's a good thing that Brian was on The Amazing Race and not Big Brother. Something tells me that he would have seen a difference between Liz and Julia. Uh, so once teams get to the village, it's a roadblock, which is who wants to get ahead. And in this roadblock, one team member must correctly tie three turbans using a demonstration to receive their next clue. Yeah, that roadblock hint was very plumbers don't wear ties-esque uh, type of quote. Yeah, it's, it's who wants to get a head start, really, but, you know, who wants to get ahead is a better pun. I'm stepping in and helping them out here. This is a, and the active road info, if I'm not mistaken, was the Pringle slogan of use your head. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of head puns. Actually, no, the Pringle slogan is once you pop, you just can't stop. Fact. Um, and it's Matt, OP, Dijon, Gino, and Sean doing the roadblock. So what did people wear before the 15th century? Before, before the turban became fashionable? I don't exactly know. Wonder what made it catch on. Was it featured in magazines? Uh, you know, was there like, uh, I don't know, uh, like did Jared Leto's uh, great 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 grandfather started up in India? Maybe Simeon Opie's ancestors just moved over there and showed them how to do a head wrap. Mm-hmm. It could have. But there was a lot of people going, oh, I should have done this roadblock. 
obviously Nick and Matt weren't. Nick and Matt were like, nope, we're glad Matt did it, despite the fact he has no fashion sense. And no hair to, to wrap to begin with. Yeah, but Dijon and Leilani were both disappointed that Leilani didn't do it. Well, 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 Leilani, it's very understandable. You can tell within about two seconds, just by looking at Dijon and Leilani, you can figure out who, who, who has more experience in this type of thing. I think it might be Leilani. Or is it the guy with the buzz cut? <laughs> yeah, also, if you are not the first team to a roadblock, how about you just have a look if you can? See what it's more likely to be. Mm-hmm. Because the clue box wasn't out of sight from the other teams, right? No, it was very, very in sight. Mm-hmm. Because it was just an open field where they were doing this. So there is no excuse for saying, oh, I should have done this roadblock. Well, instead of rushing into picking someone, how about you just have a glance? Unless it specifically says in the clue you cannot have a look at the roadblock location beforehand. Yeah, you have to keep your eyes closed. The, they, they brought over the same blindfolds that they used for the soccer challenge. Either that or they brought them into the roadblock in a Race to Escape style. Which, if you've not seen Race to Escape, is amazing, by the way. I have not seen Race to Escape. Disappointed in you. Eh, we're always disappointed in each other. Yeah, true. Also, Matt has absolutely no fashion sense. No! In his defense, he was rocking the NWO black and white shirt. Like that, that was... You know, that uh, that was amazing. I, I'm sure Kevin Kevin Nash and uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall and uh, and uh, some other guys would have been very impressed. That confessional gave me hope that Nick and Matt are going to be our winners because they obviously have a lot of fun in each other's company. They are repping all of the bar shirt wearers everywhere. All of the all of the uh, semi-professional wrestlers who also have to be kindergarten school teachers. Very, very wide demographic. Well, Matt's a real estate agent. He is indeed. Nick's a school teacher. But you know full well that I love a, a ridiculous t-shirt. I have a lot of stupid t-shirts. Yeah, do you speak about including one of the stupid t-shirts, which I believe is the I'm a Stupid uh, t-shirt series? Yep, or the Logan shirt, as we call it. Oh. Boom. Oh. <laughs> Pun. Shots fired. No, that's not a pun. That's just, <laughs> that's that's just, just an insult. insult. <laughs> and Dijon is a dancer, not a rapper. Yes. Oh. He was very impressed with himself with that. <laughs> yeah, he should have, he should have uh, not so much dropped the mic, but dropped the turban and be like, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Yes, that's that's what Dijon says. You know, the he's really embraced the uh, Canadian lingo. I'm so sorry. So sorry I got it wrong. Uh, so Matt is the first to ask for a check and gets one out of three, as does Gino. And Opie completely doesn't read the clue. No, he he doesn't. Even with the supposedly one of the production members having a shirt that says, read your clue in giant letters, it takes him a while, and, and Simi can't even deal with this. No, I love that one of the rules of Roblox seems to be you cannot actually give anyone any advice. You have to just mm-hmm. say, read the clue, Dad. Read yeah. the clue. It's sort of like in the Mall 5 when they had the who said it game, and then Nicole tries to cheat by communicating the answer by blinking her eyes a bunch of times, and then production catches it easily. It's a similar situation here where see me all pretty much says anything that she can to tip off what Opie is doing wrong. On that subject, I know... Ben and I have discussed this. Nicole is one of the greatest reality TV characters of all time. And she did so without leaving any evidence. I still quote her at work. 
Hopefully not to customers. Uh, yeah, it depends how how much my uh, colleagues are annoying me. I, I do occasionally say that I could kill them and leave no evidence, <laughs> make you look like an accident. <laughs> no one has seen them all at work, so I can get away with it. Yeah, they think you have all these original quotes, but yeah, it's just you stealing it from every reality show imaginable. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so OP surprisingly gets none out of three. And Dijon gets two, but it's Nick and Matt who leave him first. And Gina and Jesse leave in second, Simino in third, Dijon and Leilani in fourth, and Brent and Sean in last. And teams must now find the, find the M block markets and search the park for the next clue. I really wish it would have been the L block market and that the, the city of New Delhi has embraced Tetris. Speaking of uh, with turbans and, and hatware and whatnot... Um, with Brent and Sean, uh, during the catfish task, I must say, I found it rather amusing that Sean pulled a Haley and had his helmet, uh, halfway off. I miss Haley. I miss us defending a Haley for 12 weeks. That was fun. Upon 12 weeks. Us being the voices of reason. And did you know that catfish have tail, uh, whiskers in the mouth? I'm pretty sure that the great zapfish from Splatoon is based on a catfish. Um, and also, relating to that task. Uh, animal rights advocates, not too happy with the treatment of catfish. I did have a little argument with someone on uh, the official Facebook page a couple of days ago about how Amazing Race Canada doesn't always use animals and doesn't always abuse them, because as our reg- resident vegetarian, Logan can defend me here. Yeah, they haven't really... Yeah, there hasn't been any... Uh... Gallbladders removed for consumption this season, so I think Amazing Race Canada 3 has done a bit of a better job with that. And then it's just catfish, really. I mean, that's what happens all the time. You have to transport, transport catfish from one spot to another, and if you were hiring inexperienced Canadians in that field to do it for a few minutes, chances are some of the catfish are going to be landing on the pavement. Yeah, it's not snake bile soup. It's not like we're asking teams to squish the fish or just stomp on them or trap them between two baskets like Simi and Opie did. It's not like we're asking teams to transfer tw- 20 catfish and then whack them on the pavement till they die. Times a machete or an axe or a, a knife or their, or their bare hands. Having said that, it would be a nice survivor throwback, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so once teams find the clue in the park, they find out it's a detour, which is spice it or slam it. And in spice it, teams must take a, a uh, rickshaw to a spice market and then grind up enough chili peppers to make uh, 100 grams of chili powder to receive the next clue. And in slam it, teams must learn seven wrestling moves and perform them in a sand pit or in a clay pit to receive the next clue. And at this point... The Boulder Mussolinis are dialed in. Did you know they were dialed in, Michael? Because I think they may or may not have been dialed in. Yeah, they they were dialed in. So if they were in the first round of uh, the first episode of Big Brother Canada 1, uh, they definitely would have been the first HOH, I think. Now, Suzette would have beaten them over the head with the phone until they uh, till they relented. Because Gino and Jesse are such uh, such an inspiration for the Zamboni community everywhere. <laughs> Objection. So what detail would you have picked? It depends who I was with. If I was with somebody who weighed three times more than me, I probably would not have done the wrestling task. And you know what? You know what's the biggest outrage about the wrestling task? It was the perfect time to have gold medalist wrestler 
from the Sydney 2000 Olympics, Daniel Galley, who got to train with my oldest brother to be in this episode and help with the wrestling task, especially when you also have a Nigerian-Canadian team still left in the race, and producers just completely blow this opportunity. But they would have had to find a Canadian Chile hero or something. Or just a, someone who who's from Canada but lives in Chile. That would have been a tenuous enough link. There would have been nobody to fit that description. I can't think of a single Canadian celebrity who has Chilean roots. That can be a, a project for the next week. <laughs> yes, find, uh, yes, to any listeners out there, find a famous Canadian-Chilean uh, celebrity. And that celebrity has to be more famous than Daniel Legale. But seriously, I would avoid the hell out of the spice task purely because Opie basically peppers right himself. <laughs> In the face, oh, oh, no. Oh, I felt so bad because it's, it's well over 40 degrees Celsius that day, plus the humidity, plus pepper spraying yourself. That's, that's pretty much the exact opposite end of the spectrum of the extremities and conditions compared to being buried uh, in uh, Quebec Island on the beach when there's still snow on the ground. May I point out that that face was actually an editing trick, because I did try and screen cap that face, and there was no way to do it, because they just added that in in editing and then slowed it down. Oh. Sadly. Because if you watch that, they slowed it down going into the, ooh, Will Opie need medical attention, into the ad break, and then as soon as they came out of the ad break, they replayed the scene, and it was just like, nope, I don't don't need editing, I'm continuing. It's fine. I think I would still prefer... Uh, Opie's uh, state with being in really hot weather and pepper spraying myself over being bird- buried in uh, freezing water. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was just cruel. And Nick and Matt decide to hide their detail clue from Gino and Jesse. Oh, those little rascals. They're turning heel. Gino and Jesse are so beloved that that would actually be seen as a villainous move for some reason. It's exactly. I'm tucking it into my shirt. I'm becoming the most devious guy in the race. Who would have thought that the wrestlers would become the biggest villains of the season? Yeah, that's never happened on the Amazing Race before. No. And the, and the thing is, is that the cows were on the streets there in India were trying to tell Gino and Jesse what happened, but, you know, they just kept quiet. Nick and Matt must have intimidated them beforehand. The cows see all, but say nothing. I thought Brian was the one who was intimidating uh, livestock. Including bolts. Yeah, with his methods of milking. <laughs> I don't know if it's intimidation is the right word. So Leilani enjoys taking Dijon down in the wrestling task. This is this is really how they uh, get over being exes, I guess. Yeah, just physical violence. Yeah, physical violence, yay! That's a great thing for all couples who used to be together. You know, Jonathan and Victoria would have really liked this wrestling task. <laughs> Do you know how the audience would have reacted if... Because Jonathan and Victoria last ten episodes in uh, season six. Just imagine if cause, uh, this episode of Amazing Race Canada was round nine. So just imagine if in episode nine, Jonathan and Victoria had to do a wrestling task together. And had to slam each other around. Yeah, the audience would just flip out about it. Oh, especially if it aired in 2015 as well. It would just, oh, I can't even imagine the social media reaction to that. Especially if Jonathan is the one who got to do all the tossing. Especially if Jonathan still pushes her around at the Brandenburg Gate as well. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, what, what would be a much more awkward version of the Jonathan and Victoria incident at the pit stop is if instead of it happening there in Germany in season six, is if they were also on this season, and yeah, it's as if they're entering the Delhi pit stop where Jonathan shoves Victoria, and then the greeter says, Hey, Victoria, describe how you're feeling in one word. <laughs> we need to get to that, because the greeter was overstepping her mark there. Monty asked the questions. Yeah, the gre- Yeah, we'll, we'll be getting to that in a minute, but yes, the, gre- the greeter speaks, and the greeter's not even well-known like Alex Trebek or Phil Kogan's dad. This is just some random person who was interjecting themselves into the whole match-chat process. And Simeon Opie decide to switch from Slam It to Spice It, because Opie's back is going to break, basically. My back hurts, my back hurts. But yes, uh, why even go to a wrestling task if you have a bad back? Because just knowing from experience in high school gym class, if you have a bad back, anything that's remotely like wrestling is pretty much your least ideal situation possible, except for maybe a limbo task. But also, Opie has a bad knee as well. We've seen his knees in a, uh, a brace as well. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So he's he's in rough physical shape, which probably ex- partially explains why they've always been at the bottom of the standings all season long, in addition to a lot of water tasks this season. But I think with India, with the... Uh, no water tasks being around and that they've been able to avoid anything that's super physically demanding in both episodes that they're able to do much better that way. Having said that, next week looks like a water task that I have experience with and is in a place that you have an experience with, so we're going to be very uh, knowledgeable next week. Yes, we'll get to that in a bit. Yay! And with Opie too, just... I mean, he has a bad back and a bad knee, but the man can crump when he finishes a roadblock and do karate poses. Yeah, this is the first time that we've actually seen Simeon Opie live up to the potential that you've seen on their Twitter. And when I believe Simi did the whole, uh, I think she did the crotch uh, chop thing, or, you know, the, the, the international symbol to say suck it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. I think she did that when, when Opie finished the task. I'm about, I am certain she did that right before they started crumping. I hate to say it, but it is better as a GIF. I did think about screen capping that bit, but it is better as a GIF. And in fact, the official uh, Twitter page did upload it as a GIF. It was their celebration. And Brent and Sean's rickshaw to spice it wants to take them sightseeing. But that's not going to happen. Because Brent and Sean get what they want, sort of. With the road, with the roadblock guy, I think that might be one of the funnier uh, locals we've seen in quite a while. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about him, did we? He's amazing. No, he was hilarious. He was my favorite. He, he had a really good poker face for when teams were uh, uh, when teams were correct. It sort of reminded me of the geography teacher from Amazing Race Twenty One. Yeah, I was thinking he was a bit pencils down. I'm sorry, but you are correct. Very nice. Yeah, it was with Dijon where he sort of said, oh, this one's good, and this one's great, and this one is perfect. <laughs> but yet again, sadly, he wasn't easy enough to screen cap because he was generally off at the side being reactionary to what they were saying. But his pose with Monty was amazing. His pose with Monty is enough to make our banner this week. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> when, when he he was posing with the clue as all the clue givers do generally. He was posing with Monty in the clue, and he just sort of looked looked at Monty as if to say, "Is this what am I am I doing this right?" And then looked back immediately, and just grinned, just think, "You legend." Yes, uh, and the other part I liked about it with, with that task is Sean being the most like the dude pulling the old uh, hairdressing quotes by approaching the, the guys whose turbans he was about to wrap and saying, "Oh, I'm Sean, and, I, and I'll be wrapping your turbans today." Yes, and I'll be playing with your hair. Uh, and Brent and Sean are happy to see Simi and Opie at the same task because we love them, but we can usually beat them. Usually. Except this time. This time is the only time they don't beat Simi and Opie all season long, I believe. Yeah, weeks three and nine, Simi and Opie beat them. So Brent and Sean are right yeah. uh, 77% of the time. And Dijon and Leilani get moved number three wrong as well. Well, the thing is, is that this is what I was pointing out with my predictions for this week, is that I thought... Dujan and Leilani in the wrestling task would be the only ones capable of keeping up with uh, Nick and Matt because it's all choreography. And unfortunately, they just screwed up on that third move, which can happen to anybody, really. But also, with the exception of Simeon, Opie, and Brent and Sean, me, Michelle, and Aim were all 100% correct. Hmm. So consider me doing the pose to say suck it. <laughs> okay, Simeon. <laughs> uh... Do you think that everyone chose, almost everybody wanted to choose Slam It as opposed to Spice It because of the movie Space Jam? Because they wanted to come out and slam? Almost certainly. With LeBron James. There's too many sequels and remakes. I'm just waiting, because I'm going to see Straight Outta Compton this weekend. So I am waiting for three years down the road where we get Straight Outta Compton 2. And then a few years after that, we get Straight Outta Compton 2, the remake. And Straight Outta Compton 2, Electric Boogaloo. And then Straight Outta Compton 3, First Blood Part 2, or something like that, where it gets rambified. Straight Outta Compton 4, How Monty Got His Groove Back, with a special appearance by John Montgomery. Yeah, I can see. Uh, I think, I, I remember Monty's, uh, what Monty was doing back in the 80s. He was Canada's most dangerous man. He was. Still is. <laughs> I hear Cesis uh, wrote him letters uh, expressing their displeasure with his lyrics and his skeleton raps. I would love to hear Monty rap. <laughs> Producers, if you are listening, can we please have a rap task uh, for season four, just so we can see Monty have to spit some rhymes? Yeah, it, I have an epic rap battle for Canadian competitive reality television. In one corner, you have, get this, get this, in one corner, you have John Paul Monty Montgomery on one side of the stage, and on the other, you have the Lady Pleasa, Godfrey Manguiza, as his opponent. Can we not please have... We, In fact, for an epic rap battle of reality TV, we need to have Chenbot versus Arissa, at least. And I would like to see Mo- John at the full Monty Montgomery against Arissa, purely because that would be hilarious. But I'd take Alvin Chung. Ooh, who the hell is Alvin Chung? Is that Master Chef that guy was, that you that heard just the, referencing? the guy from the Master Chef test last year, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Talk about obscurity, Michael. <laughs> I love how I'm, med- I'm referencing more obscure Canadian reality stars than you. Despite the fact the only Canadian shows that I watch are Big Brother Canada and Amazing Race Canada. Oh, Alvin Chung. 
Um, probably the most unnecessary cameo to have an entire task based around out of all three seasons. But yes, producers, especially if Logan is on the season, please, 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 can we have a face-off that is an epic rap battle? <laughs> Just so we can see Monty have to do it. Because Monty's up for almost everything. They're totally going to bring out James Duthie from behind the curtain as my opponent. That's <laughs> yes. totally what they're going to do. I just want you to get cast on the season so you have to do an after the race special with James Duthie and it's incredibly <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I'll bake him cookies. Except it's, uh, when it's me baking cookies, so he'll end up with the worst cookies possible. And then in, in exchange, he'll probably find a crappy sports team and have my name on the back of their jersey as a sign of sympathy. All I want to do is see Duthy sit down with you on an After the Race special and go, I forgive you. I forgive you. I understand what you said was in the heat of a moment, and you had never been on reality TV then. But I forgive you. <laughs> uh, and Opie Pepper sprays himself, as we mentioned. And Simeon Opie gets 65 grams, Brennan Chill on F77, Simeon Opie have 89, and then... It is Brent and Sean who leave that task in third place. But Nick and Matt leave Slamet in first. Gino and Jesse leave Slamet in second. Uh, Dijon and Lulani leave Slamet in fourth. And Simeon Opie leaves Spices in last. And teams must now head to the pit stop, which is Humayan's tomb. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. And let's talk about the unaired task. Yeah, I did go back and have a quick look at this after it was pointed out to me. But there was an unaired task at Hermione's tomb, which was at the bottom of their pit stop clues. It did have a line or two in Hindi, which said, before you get to the pit stop, you need to hand over all your money, which is going to charity. You see Beta Race 19 twist all over again. A switchback, a switchback of a twist that horribly failed the first time, and for some reason they're doing it again. Yeah, and knocks out a potential fan favourite team, may I point out. Poor Ethan and Jenna. And probably contribute to their split. Yeah, and have only... Like, in Amazing Race 19, for those of you not aware, essentially, what they had to do right before the pit stop, there was a tiny sign that was barely noticeable that said, oh, you have to put all of your money into this, you know, into this basket. And the thing is, it didn't specify what currency, so some teams put in just, like, all of their uh, Indonesian money, but not their American money in there, or vice versa. And the sign was barely noticeable to the point that only three out of 11 teams uh, uh, knew to dump all their money into the basket. And on top of that, all the teams checked in so close together that even that one team went from being 10th, I believe, and bump, or 9th or 10th, and got bumped up all the way to third place just because they remembered to or just because they noticed to dump their money into the basket. And then, luckily with this version here in Amazing Race Canada, zero teams noticed to dump their money into the basket, so all everybody cancelled each other out. That's even funnier, though. That's the thing. It's so funny that they tried this twist again, and every single team went, what? No, not doing that. Yeah, we go from a 3-4-11... Uh, winning percentage or achievement percentage and this time we go 0 for 5 0 percent and these are teams that have and three of these teams have consistently done well all season long and have won the majority of the rounds it's such a 
facepalmingly awful thing. It's hilarious. It's such a terrible twist as well. Yeah, it's sort of pointless because it's like, you know they can just donate money to charity without this added race uh, in race thing. Like at the pit stop it said, oh, and we're going to take all your money away from you and it's all going to charity. And then they can make it into this almost Celebrity Apprentice-esque thing where everybody starts crying and they meet with some charity organizer. So, or they could have even done something like in The Amazing Race Asia 3 where they went to where they were in Vietnam and each team did did a task for a different charity where they had to find a couple of supplies and then hand it over. They could have just done something like that. Yeah, it makes me sound like a heartless bastard saying that. But seriously, they did a pretty good version of this idea with going back to Susan and Shanji, the task in Leg 2 in Chile with the art supplies. That is the way to do a charity task if you're going to do a charity task. Yeah, because that one was a huge snoozer for us. Like, we had absolutely nothing to talk about with the with the with that charity task in Chile. But it's like, okay, it happened. You're not allowed to be mean about it. That's very true. And, and the thing is, it's like, okay, that happened. Let's move on. Uh, a sign, it's a sign of uh, goodwill, and it, of course, it reinforces the uh, you know the whole Canadian patriotism saying, "Oh yeah, we help everybody out there who is in need." Yes, we get it, and then we can just move on. Yeah, but the, I have never been a big fan of this twist purely because it's one of the things in Major Race Nineteen that I really don't like. Apart from Bill and Kathy, Bill and Kathy are awesome, obviously, but it robbed us of Ethan and Jenna instead of Kalani and Lisa. Number one, but also. It's just a dud of a twist. You shouldn't be trying to sneak in drama. It's why I don't like the Double Express Pass. And it also goes towards this as well. I don't like it when they have when they feel like they have to sneak in drama just to do it. At least they made a non-elimination round. Yeah, it makes it funnier that, it, that every single person didn't know about it. Because that just makes me laugh a lot. What? Charity? <laughs> yeah, we're Canadian. We don't do charity. Yeah. Fend for yourselves, guys. <laughs> and now we're standing heartless again. <laughs> so, finally, after nine legs, it's Nick and Matt who check in first. Yay! Describe how you feel in one word about them winning, Michael. Uh, happy? Because, because you, whilst it was a hilarious running joke that they could never, ever be good enough to win a leg, I'm glad for them that they did. Because the alternative would have been Gino and Jesse winning, and my thoughts on them are very apparent. And they win flights to Amsterdam and petrol for a year, which is nice for them. Hopefully none of Nick's students ask what he's up to in Amsterdam uh, on his vacation. Yeah, this is that. what I did over my summer vacation, guys. Yeah, bit, bitch, I am Amsterdam. <laughs> and second was the Voldemort Salinis. And, oh, uh, describe in one word how I feel. Ugh. Yeah, ugh is a great word to describe anything to do with the Voldemort Salinis. You know what? The, it would have been hilarious if the greeter asked, describe how you feel in one word, and it was Brian and Cynthia there, and they probably would have come out with the most inappropriate response to that question possible. Erotic. <laughs> was, was that a... Was that an impression of the guy from Star Trek? 
<laughs> what, George Decay? No. Yes, was that your George Decay you impression? No, I'm, I'm just preparing <laughs> oh, myself. Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm just preparing myself for when we do the Amazing Race 27 previews, because I don't know if you've seen any of the bios yet, but a lot of the how-would-you-describe-yourselves words in the bios this year are just ridiculous words that you can say in that sort of a voice. <laughs> Sexy. Obstacle sticky. Just skipping ahead slightly, but Ernest and Jin, for example, their words for themselves are quite creepy. I mean, we do have the word, we have sexy as one of the words, I think. It is sexy and seductive. And who is this? Ernest and Jin. Oh, those guys, really? They were the ones who said that? Yeah, one of them, I can't remember which one. Two of the three words he used to describe himself were sexy and seductive. It's just a little bit creepy. Just a tiny bit. Not as creepy as Comic and Nicole doing workouts together, but it's a little bit creepy. <laughs> oh, boom. Headshot. <laughs> and third place in their best finish all season was Simeon Opie. The average keeps going up. They're now a astronomically low 5.56. Um, Andy, Jean and Leilani were fourth, and Brent and Sean were last. But with all the good karma that they've stored up, it's a non-elimination. Which everybody expected. Yeah, and it's not like it was predetermined. No, because this is all taken aside to explain this. The reason why people think that non-eliminations are rigged is actually the exact opposite of what happens in reality. When they're filming and a team finishes last in a non-elimination and they've been a team like Brett and Sean, they know they can edit them to be fan favorites and garner as much sympathy as possible so that when a non-elimination does come up or when, when the non-elimination episode airs on TV, then the edit is good enough that the audience reacts to it in a sympathetic manner. If on filming you have a team like, oh, let's say, let's say if there's an Amanda and Chris. If Amanda and Chris uh, finish last on a non-elimination then that means that suddenly they have to change a man in Chris's edit to make them sympathetic because if it were just to air as as if they're a team we're indifferent to, then it would just seem like a really lame episode for the season. And also, if production were rigging non-eliminations, do you seriously not think that they would rig it for the stars of the season, Nick and Sabrina? Yeah, they would have definitely been the ones saved. Regardless of your thoughts on Nick and Sabrina, either positive or negative, you have thoughts on Nick and Sabrina. Therefore, they are the perfect team to rig, in inverted commas, a non-elimination for. Because they will keep people talking about the season. And as we've said a couple of times, Nick and Sabrina and Brian and Cynthia going two weeks apart is a terrible loss for the season. I should add that this week I wrote down half as many notes as I have for any other week so far. Yeah, this was a really short notes week for me as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if it's because there was more physical comedy, if anything, so it's tough to explain. There wasn't really anything quote-worthy, I should say, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't. there wasn't too much to write about this week. No, but at least we get an episode next week where there's stuff that we are used to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I should note that I am expecting Nick and Matt to be you turned out of the race next week because... For the past nine rounds, the whole storyline has been Nick and Matt want, wanting to finish in first, and then the other storyline has been to 
knock out the Volta Mussolini's from the race in a U-turn situation. But now that Nick and Matt have finished first, and that they've been portrayed more and more as like the Shambo type in the rivalry with the Volta Mussolini's, meaning that you know Gino and Jesse haven't really mentioned Nick and Matt at all as enemies until the very end of this episode, while Nick and Matt have been talking about Gino and Jesse nonstop since the start of the season. I think that Nick and Matt are becoming more of the heels because of this and that it's going to serve as an explanation as to why they're the ones that get U-turned and eliminated out of the race for next week. Because also, by finishing first this week, that storyline is over as well. Well, first let's actually run through what happens next week. So next time... The Okanagan has a mighty return. Uh, we have wakeboarding, modern villages, and a double U-turn, as well as the fact that one team will be eliminated. I'm um, amazed that this is already the second time in three seasons that they're coming back here to the Okanagan. Yeah. And if you know anything about the podcast, Logan lives in the Okanagan, and I went wakeboarding in March. So next week should be a good episode for us to actually offer analysis. Indeed. Um, it's amazing, though, because I think... I think there's one other town in the Okanagan that they'll be visiting during the episode. But just to point out that Penticton is smaller than the town that I live in, the Okanagan, yet we get snubbed for a second time. Yeah, it, I mean, it says it all when the Wikipedia has regional airport on it. Mm-hmm. But I disagree with... Well, I don't disagree with you on the fact that Nick and Matt are going to get U-turned. I think Nick and Matt are going to get U-turned. I don't think they'll get eliminated because of the U-turn, though. How I think it's going to shake out, sadly, is I think Gino and Jesse are going to use their Nick and Bat because they're going to get there first because the detail looks supremely physical on both sides. I think Gino and Jesse are going to go Nick and Matt, and Nick and Matt will use the one team who has won more legs than them, Dujon and Leilani, which explains why she was ranting in the preview. And I think Dujon and Leilani are going out next week. I disagree, because as you know, I've thought that Dujon and Leilani have had a winner's edit for about the past four weeks or so. Yeah. They usually, on a double U-turn preview, hint at who the teams that are going to get U-turned are, or at least one of them, and I think that that was what they were hinting towards. I think Dujon and Leilani are getting U-turned, because you wouldn't U-turn Brent and Sean, you wouldn't U-turn Simeonopi, because they're both reasonably weak teams. I could see Siminopi being the second team U-turn just purely as a defensive move for whoever sees that they're U-turn first. Yeah, especially with the water roadblock though, it's kind of kicking the dog. Mm-hmm. It is a bit mean if they U-turn Siminopi. Although sadly we don't get to see Opie learning how to wakeboard. No. Is, is wakeboarding the uh, roadblock? Yeah, wakeboarding is 100% the roadblock. Oh. He needs to do the roadblock then. No, it, it is Simi doing it, definitely, because we saw Opie in the boat, sort of oh. wincing where she fell over. Maybe they sort of got an idea of what the task would be then. Yeah. Sadly, yes. You're you're in the Okanagan. There may or may not be a water task. <laughs> yeah, um, even worse, it looks like they're actually... It looks like the roadblock's going to be something like go around this wakeboarding course. But they're taking them over ramps. When I went wakeboarding, I had about an hour and a half session of wakeboarding in March. It was freezing cold. And I am not very physically imposing anyway. I am 6'5", but I am quite lanky anyway. I am not physically imposing. I am terrible at that sort of stuff. 
There is not a chance in hell they would have taken me over ramps. I could barely stand up on the wakeboard after an hour and a half. So God knows what they're going to be like. Imagine if Charlotte and Nabila had to go over ramps in the water. I would be very surprised if we don't get a penalty on that roadblock. <laughs> Given some of the people who are going to have to do it, I think. It's oh, be if Dijon has to do it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That could be brutal. Yeah, that could be another reason. It, I'm not sure who Dijon and Leilani are doing it. I would probably guess Leilani, but... Yeah, because she didn't even do the roadblock this week, so I'm not sure what the exact roadblock totals are on everybody yet, but it's got to be right near the end where people have to level out. Speaking of roadblock counts, I need to point out that in the current season of uh, The Amazing Race, uh, or Infinity Presents The Amazing Race China Celebrity Edition Season 2 that's airing in China right now, that there's only two episodes left, and there's one team who has been there since the beginning, as opposed to the two teams that have invaded halfway through the race. Anyways, the team that's been one of the teams that has, that has been there since the beginning has had one team member do every single roadblock so far, and there's only two episodes left. The roadblock counts for everyone but Gino and Jesse are five five. Okay. Um, Gino and Jesse, because they used the fast forward, are five to Gino and four to Jesse. So yeah, if Dijon does end up having to do the roadblock or doing the roadblock accidentally, yeah, they're going to take a penalty. We know that Simi does the roadblock for Simi and Opie, so there's no um, threat of them having to take a penalty, but that might be a reason to U-turn a team. And Penticton ain't that big, so you're not going to have a whole lot of time to catch up to the others. No, the... Four-hour penalty in, uh, <laughs> a four-hour penalty in Penticton is going to put you out of the race. The general rule with a U-turn, which we have mentioned before, is U-turn a team you're never going to see again. And if you know a team like Dijon and Leilani have taken a penalty on a roadblock, especially if something really physical like wakeboarding, which is going to knacker you out, and something where you're they're taking you over ramps at like 40 mile an hour. Yeah, if anyone takes a penalty, they are the fifth team. 100%. So this is going to be quite fun. The U-turn might be completely pointless. Because imagine if, say, Dijon and Leilani take a penalty and then Nick and Matt and Simi and Opie are U-turned. And the U-turn is completely pointless. And the speed bump as well. And the speed bump. Yeah, which we haven't seen. Which makes me think it's going to be somewhat lame. Because we didn't see the speed bump in the preview at all. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. A lame speed bump? I know. A lame speed bump. Yeah, but this is Canada. Canada usually has decent speed bumps, at least. Still lame overall, though. Yeah, lame compared to other tasks, but Canada definitely has not had the worst speed bumps. Because if we go back to another task that we were, or another leg that we were comparing this one to, the the first Indonesia one of season 19, untying a knot was Bill and Kathy's speed bump. As opposed to Ethan and Jenna who failed at tying the knot. Exactly. As As opposed to, for example, Ryan and Rob's speed bump in PEI last year, of searching through a pile of hot poop for bottles of moonshine. That's a good speed bump, for example. What PEI? More like PEU. Oh. You went there. <laughs> yes, that's, that was geared towards all of the five-year-old and, five-year-olds and the parents of young children who appreciate potty humor. But yeah, I have a horrible feeling that one of our two favorite teams is going to go out the race next week. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll have even fewer notes for the finale. We could be in for a pretty brutal final couple of rounds, depending on who goes. Yeah. Unless, by some miracle, Gino and Jesse go next week. And we can only hope. In which case... I, I call on all of our listeners and all the people that live on this planet to join our hands together and say, Gino and Jesse are going to be gone and pancaked in. The Okanagan, my region of the Okanagan, heard my spirit and, and eliminate the Volta Mussolinis. Please, someone inhabit the spirit of Katie Upton and you turn the shit out of them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Anything else to add after that wonderful cameo by our favourite Avenger 16 racer? Um... No, I think we covered everything. This was actually a pretty solid discussion, other than leaving out uh, with what they should have done with the with this episode is that they really should have gone back to using the public train system because we already saw the the fish used the like a copy of the fish roadblock from the Amazing Race Four, and they should have also done the. Uh, train transportation from the Amazing Race 4 as well, but that didn't happen this week, unfortunately. I can only imagine what Nick and Matt's reaction would have been like. I'm quite surprised we didn't see a, a train ride, because that would have meant that they didn't have to go on a plane from another company. Yeah, pretty much every form of transportation this season has either been equalized everybody on the plane, you drive yourself, or you get a taxi. There's been no real trains or buses all season long. Which is very, very unusual. And also, one thing I must say, to the credit of the producers, we haven't seen two legs in the same city. We did see a leg in Sudbury, though, which feels like, which is just punishment enough. Yeah, whilst we saw a leg in Sudbury, and that was blatantly only there because they paid $55,000 for it, and also Alex Trebek. I would like to make an appeal to Mayor Akbil Mund, and please use $55,000 from our city budget to buy a round of the Amazing Race Canada next year. No, go $56,000, and then uh, they'll be extra nice to us. Yeah. Yeah, whilst whilst we had to enjoy that episode, especially with Nick and Sabrina going home, which, you know, is the worst-case scenario for the entire season, at least we haven't seen two legs back-to-back in the same city. Could you imagine if there was two rounds in Sudbury? Oh my dear! Like, do you can you imagine the mass suicides that would occur? Oh, uh, we would have had to cancel the podcast. Like, there would be like five or six Barker bills uh, by by the end of the week. Especially as we would have missed out on Brent and Sean puking their way to the pit stop. Show's over, man. Ratings have gone from two and a half million down to zero. Yeah, guess what? The Sudbury episode is actually the highest rated one of the season because of the Alex Trebek effect. Oh, the, yeah, that's, I was thinking, what? Three million people watched that episode. For Trebek in Canada, being in Canada. 2.966 watched that episode. And yet 1.5 billion people have watched Gunham style. Opa Trebek style. Or Opie Trebek style, I should say, on this season. Oh, that sounds like a bad parody that just came to my mind. <laughs> Logan, that is your mission for the next week. Yes, Opie can hang out with Isaac and William from the Amazing Race Asia uh, 3. Just Opie have try to get them to have a personality or something. And now I'm picturing Opie screaming at a bunch of butts uh, doing yoga. 
Uh, and on that wonderful note, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week for another Amazing Race Canada episode. If you enjoyed the show, and even if you didn't, please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a like on the YouTube video. And if you want to see what we're rambling about this week, our Twitters are in the descriptions everywhere as well. And if you missed our interview with Mike and Michelle from Amazing Race 26, that's also available on iTunes, which you can find linked in the video if you're watching that way. Thank you again. Hashtag 250, hashtag Ginger Ninja, hashtag Super Wacky, hashtag Yet and Cast, hashtag Peace. Peace out. Eat out.